Welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Gene. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter if they had specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Jeff Trommel. Hey! <laughs> did I, I say your name right? I you did. Oh. <laughs> I think I always say it wrong. I think I say Trammell usually, like a fool. You can say both. They're fine. I don't. I'm not. They're interchangeable. <laughs> no, I want to get in a fight. <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that I'm doing it wrong. Jeff, tell us who you are and what you do. Um, I'm Jeff Trammell or Trammell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, the head writer on Cartoon Network's Craig of the Creek, as well as a voice actor. For Craig of the Creek and the Fungies, also on mm. HBO Max. Man, wow. You're doing all the shows. I tried. Yeah. Network would fall apart without you. Yeah, they really would. Well. <laughs> I think you let's yeah, let, let me say that and then, you know, then you won't get in trouble. Yeah, I think you're our first head writer, which is uh which is exciting. Oh, cool. I I think the yeah, we've had Kira, we had Brandon, both talented. But uh, you have a different kind of set of responsibilities I think that's worth talking about. And we'll get to that. Cool, cool. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's very cool. But you have a very interesting journey. You have a very awesome kind of story leading up to your first uh, gigs in animation and stuff. So tell me about Baby Jeff. Tell me about uh, how you first got interested in animation and writing and all that. Oh, man. Um for anyone who's heard me on any podcast before, I apologize for hearing this story yet again. But uh, <laughs> a good story. Uh, thank you. I uh, I always start by saying that um, when I was a kid, I didn't know I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a professional mm. wrestler. Hell yeah! When mm -hmm. I turned sixteen, I started wrestling professionally in Michigan on the uh, Michigan oh, Independent this. Circuit. So I did that for a few years. It was very fun. It was very painful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. But uh, eventually, I got out of it. It was very, like, there were a lot of politics. Uh, it was very mm -hmm. cliquish. And uh, it wasn't a place for me. I was already dealing with all that stuff in high school. So I was like, this is just more. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah. I got out of that around the time I graduated high school. I was wondering, like, how much time did that take out of your days? Like, how much time did you spend, like, wrestling and practicing and all that? So when I, I was in, uh, I want to say I was a junior when I started. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was in my 11th, 11th grade, and I would go to school from 8 to 3, mm -hmm. and then I would go home and, like, eat lunch and do homework, and then I would go to wrestling training Monday through Thursday from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Oh, wow. 10 p.m. Yeah. So that was four days a week That's for crazy. a few months, and then also on the weekends, mm -hmm. I would go to shows around Michigan. So I would be like, you know, putting up the ring and uh, watching the shows and sometimes working like security for those shows, if not actually working matches. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I did that for a few years. And then mm -hmm. um, I finished up with that and was like, OK, well, I don't have any interest in college. So what should I do with my life? And I went to a trade school for video production. Hmm. Um, and I was like, maybe I'll be an editor or like a cameraman or something. So. While I was there, I started doing uh, comedy sketches with some friends, and eventually I started watching 30 Rock, mm -hmm. which is a show about people who write uh, for a you know TV show. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, wait, no one told me this was a job. I, w I would love to write for TV. <laughs> I think I'm funny. Uh, so mm -hmm. 
it was like, uh, you know, maybe there's a way I can break into this. And they also, mm-hmm. a big influ- influence of mine was uh, Donald Glover, who mm-hmm. used to do sketch comedy and then became a writer on 30 Rock. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, if he did it, you know, maybe there's a way I can figure out how to do this too. So um, I basically just downloaded a bunch of books and movie scripts and TV scripts and tried to teach myself how to write for television. Damn, you, put, you got to work. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was like, well, you know, maybe I can make this. Maybe this is a crazy dream, but this yeah. is the only way I can, you know, really start. And mm-hmm. then uh, I wrote a spec script for The Office, mm-hmm. which is just a script of an existing show. To see mm-hmm. if you can work, work with those characters, and it was bad, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wrote it, and that's the important thing. Like, sure, you know, yeah, of course, it's so hard to just get started, let alone mm-hmm. finish something. So um, after that, I was like, okay, well, I know I can do this. It's just a matter of like, how do I get out to LA? How do I start doing this? How do I make it work? Because where did you grow up? I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, so it's like the Midwest of America. So there's like no, there's like no entertainment industry there. Really, mm-hmm, there was a yeah. time where people would go film like movies there, but for like mm-hmm. a tax break. But that was kind of it, you know. There was really no like breaking into writing there. Right. Do you feel like maybe because you grew up in Detroit, that's the reason why you never were aware that writing could be a career? A million percent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a recurring thing with people like that, that are on uh, come on the show where it's like they didn't know they could do, uh, you know, the job they do, which is mm-hmm. interesting to me uh, that it's just like, I think for a long time, I think it's easier now because we are, you know, kids are exposed to so much more stuff online, but our generation, we just like didn't know. We, just, yeah. we didn't realize it. And it's one of those things where like, as I've kind of like looked back, I'm like, oh, there's signs that I've been interested in writing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's one of those things where it was like, to me, it was like, okay, well, the only thing I could write is like a, like a novel or something. And I didn't really have any interest in writing like huge, thick books, you know, like mm-hmm. that was never something that I was into. But now I'm like, well, you know, with the proper motivation, I could have been pushed into writing comics or I could have been pushed into writing, sure. you know, any, like any, there's so many other things that never <laughs> occurred to me. But yeah. What would you say, like looking back, what would you say were there those signs for you that you were interested in writing from a younger age? I would write a lot of short stories. Uh, when I was younger and I would read like a ton like just that's all I would do for a while Mm -hmm. is read and I would write short stories but you know I don't think I knew that I could do anything with that so I was just like okay well this is like a fun thing to do and this is kind of like you know I'm done with it now and that's Mm kind of it but even like um were you thinking kind of like oh this is something I can do as a hobby like instead of a uh like, well, was that the mindset or was that even just something that you were just doing and not thinking about it that much? I think it's something I was doing and not thinking about. It was like uh, I would be in class, you know, not paying attention, but instead like <laughs> writing my own story or, you know, stuff like that, that I never really considered it as like even a hobby. I was like, OK, well, this is like a fun thing to do when I'm kind of like bored in class, but I wasn't really like picking it up, you know, at home. Mm-hmm. Because there was video games there, so why would of I? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you show like friends or family? Um, any other um, stories that you wrote? I would show my dad, and my dad is he's the kind of guy who 
My dad's like a major jokester. Uh, I feel like I got a lot of my like comedy stuff from him. Mm-hmm. I so there's a bit in Craig of the Creek where Craig's Craig doesn't know what his dad does for a living, and his dad says he's a spy. Mm-hmm. And that's from my real life. Like my dad <laughs> wouldn't tell me what his job was, what? but he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a spy." And I, I knew he wasn't, but he committed to the bit. So where he'll even now I'll be like so yeah uh, you know back in whatever time and he'll be like yeah I was uh, I got to keep all that stuff under wraps because I was a spy then maybe he's not kidding maybe he, this is li- maybe he's this not is a spy <laughs> okay <laughs> there's I have seen this man fall so many times <laughs> but it's all a cover Jeff it's an you amazing know, cover it is if he's if it's a if he's been doing it on purpose to look like a, a very clumsy man, then it's working. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's so funny. And so, like, kind of, like, I mean, I guess it's, like, all in the episode of, like, or, like, how much of that episode is inspired by uh, your life versus, like, how much did you have to make up to make it work in, uh, in as an episode of Craig of the Creek? A lot of stuff kind of just works. Like, a lot of those characters are really based on, like, people I knew growing up or family members or friends or like even Craig's dad is like an amalgam of uh, my dad and like Tiffany mm-hmm. Ford's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like the way he is and the way he, when we were creating him, he was kind of just like, you know, drawing from life experiences. So mm-hmm. um, that's a thing I, I, I kind of often will tell people too. like when you're creating those characters, it's one thing to like, you know, just kind of make a character and be like, this is who they are. But if you can root it in like truth or kind of Absolutely. tie it to someone, you know, it really helps them feel more fleshed out and alive, you know? Yeah. It's, that's always tough. Cause it's like, I think nobody, it's always scary to like dig into those parts of your life. Definitely. And, uh, but it's so helpful. It always, it always ends up being beneficial. And um, going back to the short stories that you were writing as a kid, were these kind of like, uh, also inspired by life or were they like more like escapism or like fantasy? Um, a mixture of the both. Like I think um, I'm trying to remember some of the ones I did would be like little like mysteries which were kind of mm-hmm. like escapism. And then I know that one was literally just me writing another version of the film Eight Mile, but rooting it oh. in like <laughs> high school uh, because you know I grew I grew up in Detroit and that movie's based mm-hmm. there. So that was also a time where like when that movie came out, everyone was like doing freestyle <laughs> battles after school and stuff. That's interesting. I I actually I wonder I like I never thought about that because I you know I watched Eight Mile a, bu- a bunch when it came out, but like. Yeah, was, like, Detroit really excited about that? Was that, like, Detroit representation? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. And, again, like, that was a time where, like, there wasn't a lot of stuff mm-hmm. for Detroit. So just even seeing, like, the city, you know, like, I think the only other movie I can think of that's, like, Detroit-based is, like, Beverly Hills Cop, because he's from Detroit, and, mm-hmm. like, RoboCop. So it was just right. cop movies. RoboCop is ah! yeah. a great portrayal <laughs> exactly. of Detroit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Okay. Did you ever, if that became, like, kind of a fad after the movie, did you ever, like, get in one of these, like, freestyle? Oh, yeah. I yeah. freestyle rap battled all the time. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Were you good? I, Were I you was like... good. I was good at it. Um, I know everyone who raps says they were good, but I was actually good at it. 
and I was I good enough to admit that now I suck at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I right. didn't do it. Like I stopped doing it so long that I lost like my skills, and now I'm bad at it. But I can I can write a rap. I just can't come up with one off the top of my head. Yeah, that's I tough do. though. Yeah, yeah, it's like because I mean, yeah, I, I write a lot of like rap stuff for my band, but like I could never freestyle. It's a completely different. It's so hard skill set. Just thinking off the top of your head. Do you feel like yeah, it's just like a muscle that you have to flex a bunch to kind yeah, of yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's also like because it's one thing to freestyle, and it's another thing to freestyle battle because then you're like. Oh god! Insulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, if you're funny and you like, you know, are quick with it, you can come up with something to kind of like, you know, get under the other person's skin. But also, like you yourself are being attacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta really learn to take it. Yeah. See, here's why I never want to rap battle because I am worried I will take it too far, too fast, <laughs> and it like won't be funny. <laughs> like everyone will just be like, "Dude, Gene, back up." A that little. was mean, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> Because your mom didn't want to have you, and it'll be like, oh, dude, come on, man, come on. I wonder. Okay, this might be like a little left field, but like, did you guys have like a debate team in your high school? Because like, do you feel like there is like similarities between like debate and like Mm. freestyle rapping? Or, huh? I I mean, you don't you don't have to rhyme in debate. Yeah, that's true. Rhyme on a on a. I'm rhythm. thinking more like on the like rhetoric kind of bit because like I guess or you know and like the improv kind yeah. uh, of I'm sure yeah I would say it's closer to improv what do you think yeah about? definitely yeah yeah I mean there's that part of the brain that's really give me something to think about <laughs> I do think you are flexing those same kind of improv muscles that maybe that explains why when I eventually took improv I wasn't as nervous because I was like sure. oh I'm in a scene as opposed to like you know being called out in front of a crowd mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. my shoes or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think some people just, you know, I think their brains are just wired a little differently too. Like uh, some people just seem to take to improv and all that kind of stuff really mm-hmm. quickly and easily. But then it's like, and I guess to tie it back into writing, like there's probably uh, two different kind of, well, maybe even more than two, but there's probably different schools of writing where there's people who are really good at like, knocking out ideas in a room but then there are some writers who are better at like massaging them on their own and bringing yeah. it back to the you know Definitely. is that something that you, you've seen yeah i mean i don't think um initially when i started i don't think i was a great like in-room writer i'm um because i do think that once you start once you're in a room you kind of can figure out where you where your strengths mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who are in a room is are like the kind of joke per minute kind of people who just mm-hmm. crank out like really good gags, but that's never been me. I'm more, I guess, methodical. I like to really think stuff out or kind of problem solve. And that's kind of where my strengths come from in the room. So I do think that there's like a, there's a kind of moment where you have to find yourself and find out like, okay, well maybe I'm not good at this part, but if I'm really good at like tracking story or emotional arcs or stuff like that, then that can kind of be where I, focus my you know focus myself for figuring out the story and then kind of like can try to work on strengthening those other weak spots you know yeah well that's i would love to hear more about that before we kind of come back to your career path because i think that's really interesting and like as you know you've been in the writer's room but you've also now a head writer and like what what sort of role do you have 
as far as like leading the team and like like we're talking about different kinds of writers and everything do you sort of also have to recognize people's strengths and weaknesses and you know support support each of the people on the team in a different way is that kind of part of what you do yeah a lot of times now it's kind of like um you know if we're breaking the story i really want to try to figure out what makes the story work and what makes it tick and then be able to break that down in a way where it's easily explainable to you know the other writers if i'm not writing Mm -hmm. it or the board team so once we do the handout if they have questions or you know if they need to figure stuff out or something's not working they feel like they can come to me and we can kind of like re-break that story or really like get a new grasp on it Mm -hmm. it's also a matter of like for craig we've we've been doing kind of longer overarching stories and um i've been kind of at the forefront of that in terms of like planning out where the story is going to go and what kind of beats we need to drop in which has uh been really fun and i think it's it shows a level of thought for like a long-term story arc that i think is uh really necessary to make sure that the story feels fun but doesn't drag on too long and you know like I'm working with Matt and Ben, who were the writers on Steven Universe, and they definitely know about like a long-term story arc kind of thing. Sure. So the fact that they, you know, trust me to kind of like run that for Craig is really cool too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like we've been doing this stuff with the other side of the creek uh, for three seasons now, and that started back in like episode 16, and now here we are, yeah. you know, rolling up to like 100 and. 20 or something and we're still telling that story so it's something it's kind of something between like an editor and directing but specific to to the writing aspect of the story yeah um that's awesome and then there's probably still a degree of like politics would you say like just kind of as as a manager tends to have to do you have to kind of you know deal with people's personalities and things more so than you would if you were just in the room yeah would you say that's part of it yeah definitely yeah it's a lot head writing seems like <laughs> it seems like it's a lot well let's let's roll it back so um so yeah you you were in school you were doing wrestling you were uh doing stories what was kind of the thing that got you into animation initially so um i knew i wanted to get out here but i didn't know how to go about it um and i'm not like a lot of people are like, yeah, I like packed up everything I have and moved to California. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'll give myself a year to make it. And that sounds absolutely terrifying to me. I, 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 I am not yeah. like, I don't have that. I didn't have that level of faith in myself to be honest. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, if I'm going to get out here, I have to figure out a way that like, you know, to make it work. So I remember looking up one day, like I had, I had written that spec and I was like, well, what do you do with the spec script once you have it? And a lot of the things were like, well, you know, maybe you can find an agent or a manager, but usually they want to rep you if you're already working, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, while I was searching, I found out about the Nickelodeon writing program, which yeah. is like a fellowship at Nickelodeon where every year, like 2000 plus people enter and they pick maybe three or four and then you get to come to, they move you to LA, you work at Nickelodeon for a year, you get paid to like learn. And it's just an incredible program. And yeah. I was like, this is like literally everything I need. I have to figure out, you know, I have to enter this and try to get to the finals. And um, it, it was May 
and the deadline had expired in April. So I was like, great, I'll apply next oh. year. Mm-hmm. So I spent the year figuring out what shows I wanted to spec. And I ended up doing a spec of the show called The League on FX. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I did a spec for Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. How um, how much of like a show do you feel like you have to watch in order to feel comfortable to write a spec for? I would say as much as possible yeah (laughs) (laughs) like uh you know sometimes you'll like i did an episode of uh amphibia Mm -hmm. and when i ended up working on that show for freelance and they only had the pilot done and that was great because i got to see how those characters worked but i only knew them for 11 minutes so anything i did was kind of going to inform what they did but also like i didn't have a lot to base it on whereas when i was working on these specs i had so many episodes to kind of like lose myself in and find those voices and i feel like for a spec you're really trying to match those voices Mm -hmm. so when i was watching like when i knew i was going to spec the league i would have it on all the time even if i wasn't paying attention to it even if i was writing i'd have it on in the background so the voices are still getting ingrained in my head so then Mm -hmm. when i'm writing scenes i know how this character will react because i've heard them so many times right Mm -hmm. So, you know, when the new submission period rolled around, I submitted my specs and then kind of had to not think about them every day. And uh, (laughs) I got a call in June of uh, 2015. And they were like, hey, we want to let you know you're like a quarter finalist. Like out of 2,000 people, you're down to like 20 something. So I was like, this is great. And they were like, you're going to have a call with the director of the program, who was Karen Kirkland at the time. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, great. I'm going to have this call, and I'll you know, be able to show how excited I am about this. So I have the call with Karen, and it's basically like her asking me a bunch of questions uh, and me saying no to all of them. <laughs> so I was like, have you... Uh, have you written like a movie script? No. Did you go to college? No. Do you have a sketch packet? No. Have you ever written for theater? No. Have you done this? No. Okay, bye. And that was it. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oops. That's not great. Wait, so at that point, had you already done improv or not? No. I hadn't okay. done improv yet. Um, oh, wow. I had wanted to, but I could never afford it. Right. So. Yeah, so then I had to submit the second spec, which was my Bob's Burgers. And I guess that was strong enough to carry me through to the next round. So I became a semi-finalist, and then I became a finalist. And they're like, hey, you have to fly out here. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, they said, you have to fly out here, not we're going to fly you right, out Right, right, right. So Why had to, like, would they pay oh, no. for that? Yeah. <laughs> so no. I had to like scrape up money at the last minute to fly to L.A. That's kind of bogus. For these interviews. <laughs> That's not. I stayed at that uh, little motel across from Nick, across from the subway, you know, the one at that corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I stayed over there and then basically was at Nick for three days along with the other finalists who I'm competing against, but are also my friends because they're the only people I know now. (laughs) And uh, we're doing like speed interviews with like some are like, you know, here's you and... Butch Hartman, or here's you and the head of, like, at the head of Paramount with, like, eight people from the movies team asking you questions. And over the course of three days, we do uh, 13 interviews, and then they're like, okay, you know, we'll let you know who won, like, next week. So then... 13 uh, interviews? That is That's insane. It was a lot. Like, you don't even have to do that much for a job, so I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
and we're being like graded on them like <laughs> so how did you like how did that feel for you did you just kind of like go through the motions or did you kind of like it was nerve-wracking yeah uh, especially that first one because i'm like uh um i don't know what they you know like they're asking me questions but i just i've never even been to this state and i just flew yeah, in that's and a, that's like, a, that's a culture shock you know um and also like you know i realize that it's a huge opportunity so i'm also like oh crap don't mess up like you know this could change your life but that's in the back of your hand too or you're mm. trying to like answer these questions yeah but yeah so i flew back home uh after three days and then the next week they called me and they're like hey we want to let you know like you you won we want need we want you to move out here so i moved out here the next month which was october 2015 mm -hmm. i started at nick and uh for the first six months of the program, I was like revising the stuff I submitted because while it was good enough to get me a job, it still wasn't like up to snuff, you know, compared to like everyone who's been working in this industry for years. Mm -hmm. um, I actually still use that Bob's Burgers spec as one of my samples uh, when hmm. I send out work. Oh, and wow. I got to take improv and sketch the UCB, which Nickelodeon paid for and That's a bunch cool. of other classes. Is that part of the program? Yep. And, um, oh, that's awesome. And um, I got to, you know, meet a ton of people at Nickelodeon, which was really cool. And then six months into it, I got to join the room for Harvey Beaks, mm -hmm. which was the best possible room I could have gotten. You know, everybody in that mm -hmm. room was super great and very, room. very friendly and taught me so much and immediately, like, welcomed me. They were like, hey, just so you know, like, you don't have to, like, a lot of times it's like, okay, well, if you're in the program and you're kind of just in on the room, you kind of just, you know, sit in the corner and listen and, you know, kind of pay attention. And at Harvey, they were like, you know, you're one of us. You can pitch. Yeah. You can, you know, if you have any ideas, feel free, speak up. You know, like, yeah. as far as we're concerned, you're one of the writers. Oh, that's uh, that's probably a lot, a lot of Donnie, too, because yes. Donnie McKaylee is just such a gem. Donnie, yeah, one of the greatest people. Like, couldn't have mm -hmm. been a better mentor for me. And also yeah. that room had like uh, Molly Lavari and Kevin Kramer and uh, mm -hmm. Conrad Montgomery. Like everybody was just super nice. Carson. Carson Con Montgomery. Car yes. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so incredible, just incredible uh, room, incredible way to start. And um, I ended up after like two months there, Donnie pushed for me to be able to do a freelance episode. So I got to do a freelance episode of uh, Harvey which uh, ended up getting boarded by Nick Samita and Ashley Anstey for mm -hmm. episode Photo Finished, which was my first ever TV credit, which was incredible. Mm -hmm. Wow. How, like, when your episode aired, like, did you, have, did you, like, tell your family? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a big deal. I uh, told everybody. It's funny because it took forever to air over here because – they had Nickelodeon had no idea what to do with Harvey Beaks. Uh, yeah. and it actually aired in Africa before it aired over here. Interesting. Okay. So I think I watched it online before I got to watch it on TV. But eventually it did, you know, air over here. And my family was like, you know, taking pictures of the TV and all that kind of stuff. Super proud of yeah. me. Now I'm on a show that comes out on a regular basis and no one watches it, but it's fun. Yeah, that's kind of how it, that's how it goes, right? Yeah. Like once it falls, once it becomes routine, everyone's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's always the bummer.
but still you made it yeah mm-hmm. that's a crazy journey what were you doing before you uh, got that writing program i was actually working in detroit at a target as a security guard mm-hmm. which wasn't a terrible job it was <laughs> pretty fun but yeah, I did that for about six months and then I moved out here. It's right before that I had another job at a plant, which I absolutely hated. And that was around the time that I was submitting for the writing program. And I remember like working on my submission and being like, I can't do this current job. Like I can't do it anymore. Like I, this can't be in my life. So I have to put everything I can into the submission and make it funny enough that it you know, changes the way my life is going. And luckily, you know, that's kind of what happened because I knew, like, I could see, like, okay, I'm going to look up and 30 years will go by and I have been, like, working in a security job and I don't want that. So I have to do whatever I can to kind of change that here. And, you know, the Nick writing program and the thing I submitted allowed me to make that happen. I forgot, like, um, how you... Uh, became aware of the program how did you find out about it google (laughs) (laughs) nice i was just like what do you do with the spec and then i google and then like on page three it was like nickelodeon writing program i was like Mm -hmm. ah what's this and then i saw that they had like a list of alumnus from like 2004 or so that had all written on like things like modern family and avatar the last airbender and all types of stuff and i was like this you know this program looks legit like and it was also it's free to submit so i was like what do i have to lose like i have everything to gain i should you know apply for this thing yeah that's awesome did you always kind of like did you first think of live action and then when you saw the program you were like oh cartoons or did you always enjoy cartoons i've always that's funny because when you start the program everyone asks you do you want to do live action or animation and i was always the person who like skated the middle line or i was like i like them both which feels Mm. like such a cop-out answer (laughs) but (laughs) you know like i I, cast a wider net yeah i mean and i do like i think that live action is cool because you know there's an instant gratification of like writing a thing and seeing it filmed and it comes out but Mm. you know with animation you kind of have that like year-long wait minimum it seems like Mm -hmm. but you know like i've grown up like as a fan of animation, as a fan of voice acting, you know, like I was that guy who would hear, you know, oh, I know that voice, that's Phil Lamar, or I know that, you know, mm-hmm. that's Gray Delisle or whatever. So growing up, I always had an affinity for animation and I'm one of the people who like didn't stop, you know, I didn't start, I didn't stop watching cartoons when I turned like 11 or whatever, when mm-hmm. everyone's like, you turn 13 and then you don't look at cartoons anymore, according to execs uh (laughs) you know i i never kind of stopped that and then um so i was kind of like you know i appreciate both but then they were like well if you got placed on like an animated show what show would you want to go to and i said harvey beaks so then later when i got to work on harvey and i really got to see like all the work that goes into creating an animated show and like seeing what how much work the board artists are putting the board artists are putting in and props and design and you know like all the facets of it up close and really like getting to appreciate it really i was like well there's nothing else i want to do than work in animation like it's so many people working together for such a incredible like end goal and it's just really cool to see and it really gave me it gave me a whole new appreciation for animation sure yeah 
I was also wondering when you were working on like your spec scripts um, to submit to the program, did you have anyone like proofreading them or did you have like friends that you showed, showed the scripts to or were you just like, just going at it all by yourself? <laughs> I showed my lovely fiance, Felicia, and mm -hmm. I showed uh, my, best, my buddy Joe and a friend of mine uh, from this trade school I went with, uh, Devon. They all kind of looked it over for me. Uh, especially Devon for the league because I it's a show about fantasy football and I don't watch football, so <laughs> he's like my football guy. That I was like, okay, does this sound good? Is this check out? <laughs> but yeah, I was lucky enough to have a few people that I really trusted their opinion mm. on comedy as well as like their opinion on like uh, storytelling and just trusted them to like find my numerous typos throughout the document. <laughs> Did you ever have anyone be like, mm, this isn't really funny? Never in my life. No, <laughs> it has never happened. <laughs> Permanently funny. <laughs> yeah. How did you, um, how did you get the, the head writer gig on Craig? What kind of led to that? Um, <clears throat> I started on Craig, actually met with Matt and Ben back when the show was technically still in development. Hmm. So yeah, I finished up at Nickelodeon for my year, uh, and the last six months I got to work on like RV, and then I worked on Glitch Text, and then I was kind of looking for work once I finished up the program, and uh, I ended up doing some freelance over Cartoon Network for Craig of the Creek. So the episode that I wrote was technically when they were still in development, but it became uh, this episode called Too Many Treasures, which introduces the Junk Lord, and ironically the Ten Speeds, considering I voice one of them. But, I was going to um, ask you about that later. We'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. Put a pin. But yeah, so when I started working on Craig, I guess they were trying out a few different writers, and then <clears throat> they decided on bringing me on as the staff writer. So for the first season, I was a staff writer, and our head writer or story editor was Shauna McGarry. And uh, we worked together for about maybe seven or eight months. And then Shauna got another gig. So she ended up leaving and the head writer gig was kind of open. And I was suggesting some people that they could bring in for it because this was also my first like official staff writing gig. And, you know, they were kind of, after talking to them and our producer, Kelly, um, they were kind of like, well, we were thinking that we, we want you to be the story editor and then we bring in a new staff writer. And I was kind of unsure about it because I had only been staff writing for not even a full year. I was like, I don't know if I can, you know, handle everything that comes with it. Um, but they were like, you know, we trust you and we believe in you. And like, you know, this is a big opportunity. But if you would rather we kind of like bring in another story editor, we'll do that. But just kind of give it some time. So I thought about it and I talked it over with uh, my fiance. And I decided that like, I would rather take the opportunity and risk failing than not take it and oh, yeah, always wonder, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So um, from there, I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then as of season two, I became the story editor. I started overseeing uh, the freelancers we were bringing in for a while. It took us a while to get another staff writer. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was kind of like juggling both jobs at the moment for a bit. Uh, so I handled a lot of the writing for the first half or so of season two, in addition to kind of like, I wanted to make sure that like our board artists got a chance to 
talk to somebody and a lot of times Matt and Ben would be busy because they are overseeing the show. So I would also go around and speak with all the board artists and see if there were any stories that they wanted to tell. That's great. And make sure that we were like, because we're all working together to create something special. So I want to make sure that they have as much input as, you know, me or any other writer. But also like in the years after that, we've even opened that up to like, you know, having meetings with props and everybody to make sure that we're telling really fun, innovative stories. Yeah, why not? So yeah, basically I became story editor at season two, um, started going to voice records and uh, co-directing. I would sit in on animatic sits sometimes, um, in addition to handling like the writing stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a hell of a, that's a quick jump. Like I would, personally, I would, yeah, like if, if that kind of offer came to me, I would just like grab it. But I think it's very, very respectful of you to like, consider it and and think about whether or not you're like ready for it i would just dive in and then fuck it up <laughs> like i don't I, stop and think that much i had a lot of uh imposter syndrome so <laughs> that's where that well, came into we all have that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i get that i think but yeah i mean you deserve it and, and the fact that you've been there for this long and are nailing it thank you is proof proof that you belong thank you do you still do um improv or did you mostly do it during um your when you were in the program i just did it during the program i it's one of those things that i wanted to do more but it's so time consuming and i like around the time that i stopped was the time that uh, my fiance moved out here from michigan because i came ahead and then she joined Mm -hmm. me like six or seven months afterwards so it was also like well, now if I'm going to improv at time, I don't get to spend with her after I get off work. So I'm like, you know, it just kind of mm-hmm. fell to the wayside. But I did like it a lot. And I do, well, not currently because we're in quarantine. <laughs> but I did go see like a lot of improv shows because I do kind of like, I do appreciate it as an art form too. Right. But you do play D&D, which I is <laughs> kind of like improv to some extent. Definitely is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was in a group, a and d group for two and a half years on Craig, where we were meeting like pretty regularly every Thursday with some of the coolest people I know. I could name drop everyone, but it's like eight people. So it'll take way too long. But they know who they are. So yeah, that was kind of how I got my improv I scratched that improv itch. I wanted to ask about Cannonball, <laughs> and I want to know. I want to know if uh, if the character came first, or if you were an inspiration for the character. The answer is both. Uh, okay. <laughs> the character came first. They actually had like designs for the ten speeds, but they hadn't used them in the pilot, I believe. Mm. Um, so the episode where I wrote was the first time they kind of are used. But Cannonball himself didn't really have a personality until uh, around episode 24 or so. We did Creek Cart Racers, mm-hmm. and um, we decided to put Cannonball in as one of the opposition for Craig in this, or JP in this kind of racing Mario Kart episode. And um, I believe it was boarded by Dina Beck and uh, Angel... Um, why am I blanking on Angel's last name? Lorenzana. And uh, they were trying to figure out like a character for Cannonball. 
and I remember them being like, well, can we kind of just base them off of you? And I was like, sure. Can we just you? And around the time, I would say that stuff was dope a lot. So mm-hmm. his catchphrase became, that's dope. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, I've wanted to voice act literally since I was a kid. So sure. maybe I'll get to voice Cannonball. And uh, they actually <laughs> were like, well, we're going to do auditions for Cannonball. So they started auditioning people. And then eventually some stuff fell through and I got to do it. They were like, can you do Cannonball? And I was like, I was waiting for you to ask me yeah. forever ago. <laughs> you just stand up out of your chair slowly. Yeah, finally. I'm ready. Yeah. The role I was born to play. The yeah. character <laughs> based on me. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes that's the best stuff. And uh, yeah, so I got to do Cannonball for the first time, which was like by myself in the booth because it happened so late that I they recorded me separately. And um, that was fun, but nerve-wracking because it's very, very, very quiet inside that booth. So you can yeah. hear everything, and you can't hear what they're saying. So you're like, oh, God, am I bad? Did I mess up? Am I really terrible? Are they yeah, they'll be, me? like, talking to each other, yeah. like, behind the glass. And you're like, what is this? What yes. is happening? And I've been on the other side of the glass. So yeah. I know what's being said, and I'm yeah. still like, uh, oh, no, they hate me. Um, so <laughs> when in actuality, it's just like, oh, yeah, how do can we get them to say that louder? Yeah, okay. Could you say this louder? And that's it. But, um, yeah, so I got to do Cannonball. And then he's come back quite a few times, which has been really fun voicing him, as well as, like, other characters I've gotten to play. Um, one of whom is, like, this teen named Gibson, who is one of uh, Bernard's friends. So I got to be in the booth recording with Phil Labar, which was, like, oh, wow. that's a, like a childhood dream that's of mine. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. You have such a funny uh, way of doing Cannonball. I, I love how, like, it's the the monotone is the perfect, the sort of like neutral like. <laughs> Thanks, Nift, my grandma. <laughs> like it's Thank just you. so fucking funny. I decided to do so. What's funny is I was like, well, I don't know if I'll ever. I don't have a lot of range when it comes to voice acting, uh, and I was like, well, maybe I should save my voice. So if I ever get to do something with my voice. So then I was like, I'll make Cannonball's voice deeper, which in hindsight is ridiculous that this kid's voice would be that deep. Oh, yeah, it's so So I deepened my voice to do Cannonball's voice. <laughs> so whereas I would be like, oh, that's dope. He would be like, yo, that's dope. What's up, Greg? <laughs> what up, Greg? Yeah. So, which is ridiculous. I feel like we all knew that kid, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was that kid. Yeah. <laughs> Were you making your voice deeper on purpose as a kid? <laughs> No, my voice is really like I would. I was like prideful of how high I could hit some notes, and then one day it just went away. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'd love to get into sort of the stuff that inspires you and the stuff that like gets you excited. Like you mentioned that you like wrestling, and I assume you're still um, interested in that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yep. <clears throat> the uh, the storytelling aspect of it there's a lot to it yeah i think that was one of the things that i was drawn to about it but never really realized you know that's another one of those things where i'm like oh i loved storytelling and never like it it showed up in ways that i didn't realize because storytelling mm-hmm. is such a big part of pro wrestling it's just yeah. you know it's like a play everything there's a good guy nice. there's a bad guy and you know it's kind of like drawing that emotion from the crowd and telling that story 
And, um, yeah, so that's been a big inspiration of mine. I still keep up with wrestling. A big, another big inspiration of mine when I was growing up was um, <clears throat> the TV, sh- TV show Static Shock, mm-hmm. which was, like, the first time I felt like I saw a black main character who looked like someone I knew and, you know, it was, like, mm-hmm. was somebody that I could really relate to. It was just, like, an inner-city kid. And I this is another moment where I'm like, oh, I the signs were there that I wanted to be a writer and didn't know. But like, um, when that show started coming on, my mom told me about it because she had found out from like, she found an online article about Dwayne McDuffie who is from Detroit and how he like grew up and basically, you know, started the show. And she gave me that article. And I remember like holding that article in my room and reading it and seeing like, okay, this is this guy who's from the place I am. And now he's created this show with a superhero that I really like. And that's another moment of like, you know, now I can look back and be like, okay, I can see how this inspired me without me realizing it. But at the moment, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, this is cool. And like, I never thought twice about it, but subconsciously it's been locked in there for years, you know? Yeah, man. Representation matters. Like you see it. Even even for me, like I, I didn't know that uh, you could be like from an immigrant from Russia and make a career like that's felt unachievable. Mm-hmm. And then I, I there's an article about Guinea Tartakovsky that I read when I was like eight or nine or something. And I was like, oh, OK, like if this mm-hmm. dude can be an immigrant and, and, you know, make a career and make all this stuff. So, yeah, I totally get it. I think that's very important. Those kinds of uh, like examples. Is there other stuff beyond animation? that you find really interesting? You mentioned live action, but um, is there any other stuff even beyond that? That kind of inspired me? Yeah, kind of like, you know, inspires you, like gives you ideas. Comics or music or any kind of like art form? Oh yeah, definitely comics. Or even real life. Like, I wonder like if there's, I don't know, that's something that I like to ask. Is there like, uh, when you were working as a security guard, was there like, things that were that you would see and would like inspire you in terms of like character or like just kind of like funny moments or I don't know I feel like I had a lot of um because I you know I I didn't go to college so I kind of joined the workforce pretty early Mm -hmm. and I feel like Mm -hmm. I got a lot of really um unique experiences from like I worked at the airport for a few years and Mm -hmm. I worked with so many different people of different backgrounds and also like people who were around my age but also like way older than me and you know coming out of high school when like everyone you know is like barely like has a like kind of patchy beard because like (laughs) everything's not fully (laughs) connecting yet it's a like you know working with people who have like you know 50 years of experiences on this earth like that's Mm -hmm. that was a really like interesting wake-up call to me and like again like to one of the people i met at the airport uh, was my friend uh, Earl, <clears throat> who was like probably my best friend at that job, and like we would hang mm-hmm. out and talk, and he'd always give me advice, and he was just like a very dear friend. And mm-hmm. conversely, on Craig of the Creek, Craig's granddad is named Earl because I named mm-hmm. him after that guy because mm-hmm. he was such a big inspiration to me. So mm-hmm. like that's another moment of like pulling from my life and these people that mean a lot to me, and kind of like putting them into this world. And making that a person that means a lot to Craig, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those kinds of connections always have the best, like, the juiciest uh, character building. For yeah. Sure. 
that's great. Is there, uh, what other stuff specific, I guess, to animation do you find the most inspiring? Hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is gonna be the one that takes me forever to come. I like to answer. ask, like, to make it maybe easier, is like, was there ever a moment in uh, a piece of media that like really blew you away and made you be like, wow, like, I want to do something like that, and you're just kind of trying to like live up to that without taking us right back to Static Shock, which I just talked about. I mean, that's, uh, that's fair. <laughs> hey, if that's it, that's it. You know, uh, Spider Verse. Okay. Spider Verse was great. Yeah, like <clears throat> that. That and um, also, this isn't animated, but I'm gonna cheat and say uh, Black Panther too. That's totally fine. Both yeah, both sure. of those films meant so much to me. Mm-hmm. Like even you know as an adult, like to see that again that representation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I saw Black Panther like six times at the theater. Holy shit! Okay. Uh, Spider Verse like four. Yeah. So. You know, like they they meant a lot to me at a time where we were making crack too, and I was like, well, this can you know the same way static means a lot to me, crack is going to mean a lot to somebody because it'll Absolutely. be that representation. So yeah. for me, it's just been making sure that like people know that <clears throat> one people see themselves, and two, I want to be able to like do as many interviews and panels and things that I can to kind of be the. Dwayne McDuffie article to someone else that that article was to I, me. I, yeah. Where it's like, oh, this is this is a thing I can pursue. This is a thing that's achievable. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy did it. You know, this guy who didn't go to college, he was like a security guard, was able to figure out a way to make it work. So yeah. I can too. Like, that to me is the most important thing. I guarantee you that you will be that for somebody for sure. Because I think it's very, very impressive and very inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. We had a bunch of good questions. While I get to those, we like to ask about creative block and like, what does it look like to you and how do you kind of deal with it? In your case, you know, writing stories and breaking down stories. Oh, man. I think um, for me, the thing that's worked is kind of distracting myself from Mm. the story. Like, I feel like if I'm running into a wall, a lot of times I'll feel the need to kind of sit here and be like, well, I got to figure out like what's 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 stopping me here i gotta figure out how to kind of get through that block but a lot of times it really comes when i am stepping away whether it's you know taking a walk or reading something else that i enjoy like reading a fun uh comic or manga or just watching something that i really like and it'll free up my brain enough to when i come back and have a second look or even while i'm focusing on something else the little nugget of the idea i'm working on will finally pop and so for me, it's just like, instead of trying to force it, I'll go do something else and kind of like free that brain space to kind of figure it out. Yeah. This is actually a question that ties into that nicely uh, from at Dimps Doodles. Did you ever struggle early on with finishing scripts having ex- or slash uh, having extreme self-doubt about your work? How did you overcome it? So much self-doubt, <laughs> even now. <laughs> I think it's tough because a lot of times that self-doubt comes from believing that you are doing something wrong or you are, you know, you could be doing something better. But as long as you're putting, like, everything, like, if you feel confident, like, I'm putting in, you know, the top, the top level of work that I can. This is what I'm, like, I'm proud of this. And a lot of times you can be proud of something and someone else will still hate it. 
and vice versa. You could do some work that you hate, and they're like, this is fantastic. It's just about, like, committing and doing the work that you can the best way you know how. And, you know, there's always a way to kind of push yourself to get better, but, you know, you can only do what you can do. And so I kind of look at it as, like, you know, I'm going to do the best work that I can, and I'm going to learn along the way, whether I mess up, or whether it's great, I'm still going to take something away from it. Why did this work or why didn't it work? And that's kind of the way I kind of approach things like that. It's just, you know, everything's a learning. Everything's a learning lesson, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about that yesterday, too. It's just like, you know, the last year has been such a drag and it feels, I think everyone in their own personal narrative, I assume, is obviously had to halt a lot of things and it, like, really sucks. But, like, I feel like everyone's gone through this process of like figuring out what matters to them. And despite it being such a miserable year, I, I see a lot of people coming out of it still like doing a little bit better in some ways than they were before, just because it like makes you feel a little, you know, a little introspective and stuff. And so it's nice to see that even through this horrible quarantine pandemic year, people still manage to like come out <laughs> learning something. I think that's good. Definitely. Derek Malik Johnson asked, what are some series that you would love to work on? Or if you got to pick some older series to bring back, what would be your picks to come back and work on? Uh, <laughs> Static Shock, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I you're gonna say. there's a list. Static Shock, jeez. <clears throat> I loved the most recent DuckTales. I would have loved to be oh, able yeah. to do something over there. Darkwing Duck is a thing that I've loved since I was a child that I would love to work on. Mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I kind of got to check off my bucket list but not really because uh, <laughs> i did an episode but it didn't come out what else there's so many other things i'll just limit it with those <laughs> i don't want to like keep us here all day sure well i mean you want to put your name on on everything you like i assume yeah i sure do but uh let's see planet panic oh um... uh, well yeah obviously <laughs> Whenever that happens, you're on the list, buddy. Please. You're definitely on the list. Glad I have so many talented friends. It's like if they, I wish they would just let me make my show. There's so many talented people I know that would just like really make it amazing. At the narrator, narrator said, what's something you did that helped you in your career? And what's something you'd recommend for people who are pursuing that same or similar career? I guess in your case, writing. Hmm. I know we've talked about it a few times. I'm going to say improv. Sure. Improv helped me a lot i was very shy you know even in starting my career when i was i believe i was like 25 at the time and i was still very like i was i had a hard time like walking up to people and starting conversations but you know i was always worried i was gonna say something stupid um whereas now i've done like panels and things in front of like literally hundreds of people and i really attribute that to improv like it taught me that like you know Moments are fleeting. If I say something stupid, I'll think about it more than anybody else probably will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of just out there and then it disappears. So it really helped me feel like a freedom to just kind of like have conversations, talk to people. And that's so much of this job, you know, like meeting other people, but also like in a room, like feeling the the confidence to speak up and pitch something. Because early on, there would be a lot of times where I'd be like, oh, I should pitch this idea. Wait, no, they're going to think this is stupid. And there's nothing worse yeah. than wanting to yeah. pitch something 
and not pitching it and then someone else pitching the exact uh, same thing and, uh, like, uh, and they're like that's great and you're like god Oh my yeah. god. I have, I have yeah. an idea. <laughs> god, yeah, you never know. God, I do that all the time. Yeah, like the the second guessing and mm-hmm. like the it's just not worth it. Yeah. It's it's crazy how much imposter syndrome plagues everyone because it's just I I feel like I constantly need, <laughs> I need validation from people cuz like I will have ideas that I that never come to fruition because I just feel like nobody will like it and then I'll mm-hmm. put out something like basic online and people are like, "Wow, this is great." And I'm like, you like this yeah. shit? But it's like, you just, you never know. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the plague of, of being a creative person. Is you, just, you feel like you're never good enough. Yeah. And then you're surrounded by people who are making such cool stuff that you're like. That's the thing. Well, yeah. obviously, like, that's great. No one's going to like my thing. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. That's the, that's the thing. It's like we're surrounded. It gets worse the sort of further up you go because you you're sort of surrounding yourself with even more talented people, mm-hmm. which you should because you want to kind of rise to, you know, a different level. But yeah, then you then, then you have a new uh, expectation that you've set for yourself because you're now you're surrounded by all these mm-hmm. other talented, talented assholes. <laughs> That's just kind of how it goes. From uh, at Phil Rinda, friend of the show. Uh, what's a story that uh, Jeff has wanted to tell for a long time but still hasn't had the chance to? Um hi Phil. Uh oh man. I hmm. Do you mean like a story f- about me or like a story I don't know. about I'll tell a story about me because I haven't spoken yeah. about myself enough. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. Um I guess this is I'm only thinking of this because there's a drawing of Jeff Rosenstock that Yeah, somebody had, had requested it. <laughs> Jeff but is awesome. I love Jeff and I actually wasn't super familiar with his work before I got on Craig, but you know, he's our composer. So mm-hmm. I kind of got to see some of his stuff from Craig, but I didn't really know his music outside of Craig. And then I got to meet him and Jeff was super cool. Like just, we get along great. He's super nice. Uh, we love his wife, Christine, like everything about Jeff is awesome. So I started listening to his music and then I was like, holy shit, this music's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I got to know him as a person, and then I got to, like, really appreciate his music afterwards, which I think mm-hmm. was, I enjoyed it even more, you know, because I'm like, oh, this is my friend. He makes great music, as opposed to, like, sure. I'm friends with this great musician. Same thing happened with you. So, <laughs> oh. I, uh, Jeff has an album that came out last year called No Dream, mm-hmm. and uh, they released a, he has a hotline for it called the no dream hotline. It's like four, six, nine, no dream or something. And you can call it and it'll be like a person that's like, Hey, you know, like, are you suffering from this or this or this? We can help you with it. You know, like hit this number that corresponds with it. But the person on that number is me. (laughs) So right before he announced his album, which was, he just kind of like dropped it. He reached out to me and was like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Would you want, like, I was cutting some episodes and I heard, like, Cannonball. And I was like, oh, maybe Jeff would want to do this. Would you want to do this hotline for me? So I was like, yeah, sure. So he sent me all this stuff that he had written up. And I just recorded all of it and sent it back. And now I'm on the hotline for his album. Oh, my God. It's such a good and he sent me uh, the album like a week in advance. So I was just like rocking out to his oh, album. I got to see him live in San Francisco like years ago, like seven years ago or something. And uh, it was awesome. Yeah, he's 
he's definitely an influence on on my band Cubom and I hope to meet him someday. I, I th- it feel it's like feels close enough, you know, that yeah. it's like it, it could happen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jeff is great. All the Jeffs are great. That's not true. That's probably not true. There's probably some real shit Jeffs out there. Bezos. <laughs> Jeff some Bezos. real just like yeah yeah. There's some real. Never mind. <laughs> the two the two Jeffs we've spoken here about here are great. Let's see. Uh, it's all really good questions. I want to try to get to as many as we can. V, is there any that you wanted to ask specifically? On the, um, let me see. It's a nice tune. Yeah, Ooh. I enjoyed that. <laughs> as I think, oh my gosh, this is so. This is a complete tension, completely unrelated to the episode. But like, when like doing, you know, being in the, this pandemic. Hey, you know what? this can be an interesting question how is it like for you to be a head writer during this crazy time like do you like have to do do you guys have a writer's room with uh through zoom Mm -hmm. we do we meet uh (laughs) we meet monday tuesdays and fridays on zoom usually Mm -hmm. for about three hours a day uh minimum not Mm -hmm. Also counting when we have like pitches on like mm. Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, so we'll be in those meetings too. So usually, like I am at my computer in meetings or writing for the full like forty hours a week, which you know this used to be my gaming computer, so now I never play video games on it. But oh no, it's been, it's been cursed. It feels like work, or I'm like, oh, that, that sucks. Yeah, but you know we've been fortunate enough to keep working and. The cool thing about the show is, like, we we basically started working from home and never really missed a beat. Like, we still got to, like, jump right into pitches. We've been doing records. Like, everything is still kind of, like, chugged along. So it's been really cool. And I do hope that it'll allow people to kind of, like, be able to work from home more and not have to move all the way to expensive as California. To mm-hmm. I think I saw a question like that, like, about... Um having to be in person in the room do you kind of what is your opinion about the writer's room uh on zoom versus in person i think there are you know there's some hurdles to a zoom room where it's like um you know early on i feel like people would like go to speak at the same time or everybody's like stumbling or then you're like oh wait no you go oh no you go you go and then it's just like five minutes of oh, people being nice that's, that's <laughs> why i hate zoom calls it like drives me crazy but um i do think that there's like you know if more people can break into this industry and not have to be here because that's such a big yeah. part of it like there's so many i can't imagine how many talented people there have been that just haven't gotten the opportunity just based on proximity. You know, I literally could have been one of those people if not for Mm -hmm. the Nick writing program. So I I think it's like, I'm, I think it's cool. I'm open to it. I, um, we were able to work with somebody who lived in New York a few months back Mm. via Craig for the zoom room. So yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Zoom room. Zoom room. I like that. (laughs) At extremely uncanny asked, what is your favorite click of kids on Craig of the Creek? Uh, I'm biased. No, you're biased. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm still gonna pick a group with me, but I'm gonna pick yeah. uh, the Ice Pop Trio. I okay. Um, that was a really important episode. I wanted to do something with 
you know, uh, I love Kelsey and JP, obviously, but mm. I wanted to do something with just three black kids as like the focal point of the story and not just, you know, the ones that Craig's related to either, just like friends of his. So um, doing Ice Pop Trio with Sparkle Cadet and Cannonball meant a lot to me. Um, I also uh, vehemently pitched not using Cannonball because I didn't want to seem like I was being biased. Just I was like, keep putting your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, every time there's a Cannonball idea i'm like oh what if we did it with this character because i don't want to be like the guy that's just pitching his own character Mm -hmm. but i get outvoted so you know it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, there's actually a question from at son of tutu choppy do you plan on further pursuing a career in voice acting or is cannonball just a fun one-off type situation um i would love to do more voice acting it's um like i said it's been something i've been interested in since i was a kid it's so fun and I know so many voice actors that are doing such incredible work. So when I see their stuff, it just excites me even more. So I would love to do more stuff outside of Craig and Fungies. Um, I've been watching, or I've been reading a lot of manga. So now I'm like, ooh, should I start trying to get into like doing anime Ooh. voice acting? <laughs> but yeah, so. That is such a different. It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would shred my voice, but. Yeah, it's a lot of screaming, <laughs> I think. Gonna, I was going to ask you, by the way, because I remember on Twitter you were asking for like manga recommendations. When did you kind of start reading manga? I started really, like I, I read a bit here and there, but I really committed around a, maybe like, geez, two and a half years ago when I started oh. reading uh, My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was watching that and then I kind of like read all of it. And then I started reading... Um, like 80 other things i read death note recently oh I'm yeah reading, uh kaiju number eight mm-hmm. i loved your tweet about like why did no one tell me to stop halfway <laughs> yeah death that, note takes a dive that is so true like i was lucky that like when i read death note someone told me like <laughs> this is the moment when you God, i was so mad it gets, it gets bad because there were so, so many moments where i was like okay i could stop now and like just look at the wiki and i was like no it must turn around like there's no. so many like little yeah. seeds that he left to like pay off later he's gonna pay them off and then he, they no. didn't and i was just like Huh. And then no. I got a migraine like the next yeah, got- day. And I was like, is this must be a rage migraine. I watched the anime first and I loved it. But then like, yeah, I think episode twenty six where, you know, like the big thing happens. Mm-hmm. We won't spoil it, but like the big thing happens and then it's like, Oh, well it's the end and like great. It's a it's a bittersweet well not even bittersweet, it's like a painful ending. But then it's just like now we're gonna keep going and it's just gonna become pointless and bro and it's just like what yeah. going to keep doing more of the same. And it's like, I don't want to do that. And it was literally just like, I said this online. It was literally just like having your cake and eating it too. Where it's like, we're going to do yeah. this thing, but also like not. Because this character is also like the same character. Yeah. It's, the same. it's the same, but, but less interesting. Did yeah. you ever, have you ever read Bakuman? I have not. It's on so, my list. I got a ton of recommendations. Yeah. That's on the Shonen Jump app, which I love. You should sponsor us, Shonen Jump. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's the same writer and the same artist as Death Note. And it it's awesome. It's got the same, like, energy. Mm-hmm. But it's just about, like, two guys trying to get a manga. Like, you know, trying to get it popular. And it's, like, it's it was so relatable and so fucking awesome. I think you'd like it. Some of the, man- some of the obviously, you know, like, 
manga as like some of it is a little bit problematic but um well yeah, yeah that's just <laughs> but the first one or two volumes are really fun i think i because it's like kind of like the backstage of how to make manga that's like the mm-hmm. most interesting part part to me mm-hmm. uh, i read the whole manga just because there's like a side character that i really like because i think he's so funny but but yeah the story the, the best of the story is just the first one or two volumes i think is this your way of telling me don't read it all v i like it all i don't know, <laughs> I, I, don't know what... I would say you don't have to because well i don't know the way i see it is like it starts as it's like well this is how we make manga and then it just kind of becomes a soap opera kind of mm-hmm. i i'll i'll say this i know what you're talking about i think that like the, there's a relationship drama aspect to it that is uh, bullshit. Like it, you could completely take it out and it loses nothing, and it's stupid. Like, like throughout the whole thing, it's just stupid. Is that what you're talking about, V? The all the stuff with yeah, with the girl, yeah, yeah. But even like because, well, I think if I were to kind of like break it down, it's like they set up the motivation of the character to be like, mm-hmm. uh, oh my god. Well, I'm going to work really, really hard on my manga because I am in love with you and yeah. we can only be together when you yeah. get to voice act. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My that character. Stuff is, that yeah. <laughs> yeah, that stuff is that stuff is lame, but I, I feel like it, I don't really care about any of it. And I. Yeah, but that's like one yeah. of the big because like because because they do end up getting a, a manga pretty fast so they can mm-hmm. go into like the backstage uh like the first motivation of them getting a manga is gone pretty fast so the only remaining motivation for them is that like love story i think so i don't know about that because i think it changes anyway whatever (laughs) anyway (laughs) this is not a topic for yeah yeah. uh i think it's great all the way through it's just yeah it's not perfect I, i also feel like a lot of that stuff might be editorial like we need to have like a romance you know it just yeah, feels a I little like that. tacked on but definitely check it out and if you get sick of it yeah it's you know don't force yourself by, by, by <laughs> do you uh you know we might we asked you about your voice acting goals but like what are your kind of goals in general with your career with your writing with with pitching like what do you want to do in the future huh i mean i really want to i think for a while, my I'm I'm the kind of guy who was always kind of happy to like. Was like oh, I don't really want to pitch a show. I kind of just like working on other people's shows. Uh, I mm-hmm. do feel like that's changed a bit, just kind of with experience. There are some kind of stories that I do want to tell. I would like to show run. I would like to. There's characters I really want to work with um, in an animated capacity. I recently got to do a comic for DC Comics. I got to write for Red Hood, who's one of my mm. favorite comic book characters. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually pitched a show with Red Hood last year, but uh, it never got any traction. So there's characters like Red Hood, like Static, like, you know, superheroes that I would love to tell those stories with, um, as well as like, you know, just something. I think uh, I've had a lot of fun writing on Craig of the Creek. But I do think that there is a kind of there's part of me that wants to kind of stray away from the slice of life stuff eventually and do something maybe a bit more action focused Mm -hmm. just to kind of stretch my legs and see what else is out there once I do finish Craig. But Mm -hmm. Craig also looks to be going, uh, hopefully, for a million years. So I don't think there's uh, any issues there either. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, it just keeps going. And that's a good thing. Yeah. 
Is there anything else you wanted to uh, talk about or plug? Huh? What can I plug? I'll talk about the comic again. I did a story for sure. uh, DC Comics Truth and Justice, uh, which is currently available on Comicsology chapters 10, 11, and 12. It will also mm-hmm. drop in print form on May 17th, I believe, as uh, DC Comics Truth and Justice number four. I'm also, you know, keep watching Craig of the Creek on Cartoon Network or HBO Max. And I guess follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Mr. Jeff Trammell. If you like Instagram, it's drawings of me that my friends have done because uh, I can't draw. Gene, uh, I believe, is already <laughs> represented on there. I'm sure there'll be a lot more after sure. uh, seeing all the stuff you guys have drawn today. Yeah, there was a few. There was quite a few. <laughs> You're fun to draw. I don't know. Thank you. You got a good presence. <laughs> Well, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Jeff for being our guest and sharing his story. And thanks to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter. That's at creative block, creative without the vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V. Keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.